1: Football Social Daily. Premier League Review.
3: The Premier League is back and back with a bang. No more international breaks until March, which means we can get our teeth stuck in as the festive fixtures approach. But the big question is this which Premier League boss is next in line for the sack? Before the weekend, Bookie's favourite was Unai Emery. Perhaps it still is the Arsenal boss after they scraped a 2-2 draw with struggling Southampton. Or perhaps he's been dislodged in pole position in the sack race by Marco Silva, Everton beaten by basement boys Norwich and the pressure is really mounting at Goodison Park. In fact, we could even have a loudest booze competition from this weekend's games, of which West Ham I'm sure will be in contention. Manuel Pellegrini also feeling the heat. West Ham winless in seven Premier League games after Jose Spurs did the business in the London derby The special one in his first game in charge, picking up the win. Is he the special one, or as some people are calling him, the special once? Time will tell, of course. All that, and we haven't even begun to mention a blockbuster at Bramall Lane, a top-of-the-table tussle between Man City and Chelsea, and a last-gasp Liverpool goal once again. This is Football Social Daily from the Sports Social, your only daily Premier League podcast Every single day we have Premier League news and opinion for you, so hit subscribe and never miss a show. My name's Niall McCorn, a great panel of guests, as always, joining me in the studio for today's Premier League review show. We've got Julian Dow. Hello, mate. How are you? Good
2: evening. How are you doing, guys? Yeah,
3: good to, good to have you back in. What have you been up to? Have you been up to anything exciting in the last few weeks?
2: Yeah, been great meeting a few players, getting a few uh, inside sort of stories, which is going to be going across on obviously on Football for Football, but yeah, it's the season is taking many a strange turn for some very strange reasons, I've been
3: told. (laughs) Well, we look forward forward to discussing that, I'm sure. Um, We've also got Ant McKinley. Hello, Ant. You've had a busy weekend as well. I have.
0: I've just run Pods Up North, the first podcasting conference outside of London, and I'm a little bit tired, and the voice is just about recovered. This morning, I sounded like Barry White after an asthma attack. So I think it's just come back now. Should get you through the show.
3: I was hoping to have the best ginger <laughs> facial hair in the sports social team, Not but a I think uh, I think that's very well covered by you. Um, we have also got Sam Lee in the studio from the Athletic. Hello, Sam. Hello, you all right? Yeah, how was the how was the Man City game last night? Chelsea, Man City. First
1: half was actually fun. How many times do you watch football at the moment? You think this isn't even with VAR. It? it
0: was still
3: fun.
1: The first half was fun. Like I said, the second half was <laughs> well, all right. The second half was all right. The end was just more. Bar. Second half
0: for Sheffield United, Man United today was fun. Like well, yeah. twenty minutes in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: It's but lot, well, it's, it's a
0: rarity these days, isn't it? It's, just yeah. it's a
3: lot more fun than grudgery. international football, that's for sure, which is why we're glad yes. the Premier League is back. And there is only one place to start. We've been talking about it all week. Uh, Sam, I mean, as someone, you've been a journalist, you've been on, on the Man City Beat for for a few years now. Yeah. You would have seen the emergence of Tottenham as a, not a force, but certainly a a challenger in terms of that, that top four crop of teams. You were, um, like me, I imagine, and everyone else in the studio as shocked as anyone to see Maurizio Pochettino get the sack and Jose come in within less than 12 hours of, of Pochettino's departure. What have you made of the whole sort of week at Tottenham Hotspur? It's been wild. Well, yeah, of
1: course it has. Of course it has. Um, you know, there was the story as well, which makes sense timeline-wise. Daniel Levy spoke to Pochettino, you know, the week before. Yes. He said, will you resign? He was like, well, obviously not. You know, I'm going to get for 12 million payoff as much as anything else. Yeah, get your and up. then obviously it was like, I don't know, Levy probably gave it a while and probably finalised everything with Mourinho between that conversation with Pochettino and Pochettino actually getting sacked. Yeah. and went, we're going to have to do it then because, you know, it's a weird thing because everyone likes Pochettino. I like him. I think he's a great coach. Mm. But... Even the record, like people this weekend were like, oh, they only won, no, they not won away since January or yeah, whatever. It's crazy, it's like, crazy. But it's like, if I had been another manager, if this was United, you know, if it was Solskjaer, if it was, yeah, it, I don't know, it seems like an, another manager in at in a big club that was probably less liked, it would have been like, this guy needs to go, it's got toxic, the results have gone, you know, the players aren't playing for him. I think he avoided quite a lot of that. There were articles mm. about it, but there wasn't quite the, the same bandwagon. And I think it's basically because he's liked. And he's yeah. done a lot of good work. Well, that's a good but point. But at the end of the day, I got toxic I was, and he did have to go. Yeah,
3: which is a fair enough point. And I was going to tweet about it, but my phone's been broken, so I couldn't. But <laughs> uh, um, I was going to say, has there ever been, well, at least in the last 10 years of my memory of the Premier League, a manager which was so fondly spoken about and almost revered that hasn't actually achieved anything on the pitch bar reaching a final, a oh, Champions League a final. He achieved a lot. He got them into the top four. But has there ever been well, a clamour for the, how good a manager is without the tangible evidence yeah. there of silverware to back it up? I can't think of that, so,
0: which is testament to the job he's done. It comes down to the how you qualify success. So there's achievement, there's silverware, there's success. And I think they're three very different things. And I think as much as uh, we all like to go, oh, we've got these things, we've got this many club, you know, trophies, we've qualified for Europe... All these sorts of things. Actually, there's, there's a lot more, and that brings in a fourth word, I suppose, which is progression. And people like to see that. And you've seen Spurs in in recent years, although unfortunately for them, they seem to be sort of slipping back down again. Uh, is they've gone from being a team that would always sort of you know struggle to Kane would struggle to score in August, and then the last few six weeks of the season, what they there was always Paris, something they'd always bottle it. There'd yeah, be something yeah, that wouldn't yeah, go right, yeah. and then so you've seen them become Champions League regulars now, and not just regulars, but to do very well, and be in a position where, at least for part of the season, they've been in contention for for possibly winning the, the Premier League. And they've got the new stadium. And what they achieved, really, when you look at it, that a lot of things went in their favour, right? They got the new stadium. They didn't spend any money on any players. They had a few interesting VAR decisions that went for them. And they made it to a Champions League final at... It didn't go well. The final itself, uh, as a Spurs fan, to travel all that way out there and then have that early Salah goal—it must have been a miserable time. I have to confess. Um, so, it, <sighs> can Jose change that? Can he change that mentality?
3: And you well, mentioned actually before Tottenham, we came God, on the Tot- air, which
1: Tottenham Tot- in a Champions League final, though. Sorry, like, it, it's, it unusual. it's unusual. It wouldn't happen without Pochettino. He's fantastic. The
0: thing is that he, so he's so loved by the fans. So oh, I, I I've just been working with a friend of mine, Louise Grilliam, whose whole family are like lifelong Spurs. Now this fascinates me when you said this. Right, they boycotted the game yesterday. Why? Because of Jose, but, right? But, but why? So I think they were so shocked and upset at the at the the sacking, the suddenness. What they saw as the suddenness of it, and they still had this belief. And, faith. and I suppose sometimes it's like you know you, you don't want something to, end, you just hope it's going to improve. You hope it's going to get better. And they've got so much love for Pochettino, for what he's done, what he's brought them through, that they did not want to let him go. And uh, so, yeah, so they completely boycotted the game yesterday. Now, I don't know if that was reflected on the attendance, or if we had empty seats there. or uh, I, I didn't notice that myself.
3: Well, I think season but, tickets mm. are counted into the attendance figures anyway, yeah. so I don't think you would have really been able but, to but tell. But
0: they stayed away because they disagree. They don't like Jose as so a So was it because they
3: don't like Jose, or because they disagreed with Pochettino getting sacking, sacked, or was it an amalgamation it's both. of It's
0: From what I can tell, it's both. But that
3: staggers me. That staggers me. I mean, I understand what Pochettino's done for that football club, but of the players, of the managers that were out there to possibly replace him, I mean, you couldn't get... I mean, Mourinho, Julian, I mean, what doesn't get really get much better than that in terms of who you can pick from.
2: He's a name, and as regards to Pochettino, I think that he's done as well as he could have done at that club because I still think Spurs have got an identity crisis. You know, when he was at Southampton, they were a selling club. He brought players in, he flipped them, he made them make money. Mm. So he's successful there. That's... Southampton are never going to win anything, but they made a shed load of money on transfers. He's gone to Spurs, and unfortunately, he's got the hangover from the misspent money from uh, the bail transfer. So, purse strings are tied. The stadium, obviously, taking a lot of money. He's done great considering, you know, he's been frugal. People looked at what a clever guy, but then you've got to look upstairs again because sure. he's not been given any money really to go and buy. Levy's tight, isn't he? He's, he's frugal. Yeah. <laughs> We can't say he's Frugal, <laughs> sure. so, so and so to be fair, I think Spurs' maximum output was what he achieved, unless they decided to make an absolute onslaught for the Premier League title and gave him a war to go and prove himself with proper, um, you know, transfers and sure. bringing players in and out.
0: But but is that proving yourself? It's just like being the kid that gets all the toys in the store. Are you actually proving yourself?
2: You are proving yourself because he's proved himself to the maximum hilt with no budget and the limited resources. So, to, in in order for him to prove himself to the next stage, was to
3: give him a transfer budget to go out there and put his neck on the line and show what he can do to galvanise a club. Well, let's talk about Jose's first game in charge. As Sam said, first away win since January, which is incredible. Really, when you think Spurs lost twenty games last season, uh, West Ham two. Tottenham Hotspur, three it finished at the London Stadium. but That didn't really tell the whole story because Spurs flew into a a, a lead. Uh, Son Heung-min making Roberto look like the terrible goalkeeper I, I, we all know he is. I've watched that goal um, so
0: many times and I still can't figure out how it goes. It just seems to pass right through him. Like well, he, he, it's, yeah,
3: just... it's, it's ridiculous. His goalkeeping has really been costing West Ham, who are now winless in eight. And we'll talk about West Ham just in a second. But in terms of Spurs, players like Deli Alley, players like Eric Dyer, I suppose, Sam, are the ones that... that fans are looking at and, and pundits are looking at and saying, this is where Mourinho can make an impact. He can turn a stagnant couple of players in in Dyer and Ali who have missed yeah. out on England squads because of their form. He can turn them around and turn them into good players again.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, especially about Ali. You know, a couple of seasons ago, he had that breakout season and then he had a not so good season and you think, oh, OK, that's normal. But then he had another not so good season. And you think, <laughs> so now it's like, yeah, we need to see it. But he mm-hmm. is, yeah, you know, Mourinho and his use of number 10s, you know, Ali could really thrive in that role. I mean, there was a... He obviously, he had played that notable role in the second goal by keeping the ball in while he was lying on the ground. Brilliant and, and piece back of he, skill. Yeah, Brilliant. fantastic. But, like, I don't know, overall... This, I don't know, this is going to sound m- maybe really odd, but, I mean, the first half was bad. No one was talking only really about not enjoying football matches. What's mm. the first half? Mm. Like, it's just crap. <laughs> like, Spurs had more of the ball, but didn't do anything with it. Like they, Every time they tried to pass it forward, it was just completely misjudged, or there weren't any runners. Basically, Son gave them the two goals. You know, the, the, with scoring himself and then laying on the second one with a great cross, and then obviously went three 0 up, and then they weren't very good after they were three nil up either. And fair enough, the game you, you would think is won, but you know it wasn't like a whole oh Spurs are back kind of thing. And yeah, no. fair enough. You can you've got to give them credit for you know winning an away game for the first time, but you always kind of expect that with a new manager. New manager, obviously, bounce, because yeah. yeah. But also, mm. you know, that happens so often, which is the case now because the players are so down and you know they're kind of inhibited. sort of with when Mourinho left. United, as, as soon as they go, there's, there's a lift around the place. But, <laughs> yeah, but exactly. worthy, Dan, because
0: great. you look at the social media, the people that <coughs> responded, the big players at the club, like Kane's message to Pochettino that came out mm-hmm. on Twitter. Now, obviously, there could be some PR here and he's just playing the game, and we don't know what's going on in the dressing get, dressing room. So that there the could be something else that's going on there. But it just seemed to be that they really loved him.
1: Some did. I think some did. But again, like... because. It's one of these stories is why you you want to read as much as possible, don't you? You want to know what's going on. And basically everything had said, even like in the last couple of weeks, last month or so, when people started picking up on no, it. There was a working the, relationship you know,
3: between Levy and Poch. I don't think they were friends by any accounts. So I think that might have it. did, even just
1: it. in terms of the players, I think, you know, there was a piece this week um, saying that you know, Pochettino was always in a bad mood and the players didn't want to catch his eye. And they were like, you know, the boss is in a bad mood. It was just kind of that kind of run down atmosphere where everything's a bit tense and mm. And that kind of thing. Maybe you know they were probably weren't all falling out with each other. Maybe like they might have been at United with Mourinho and that kind of edge Mm -hmm. to it. But it was just that kind of low atmosphere kind of thing, which which is obviously why Levy, who obviously doesn't like spending too much money, he's paid you know twelve million. Martinez to to get rid of him on there.
0: This this story about how he asked him to to leave Mm. rather than fire. I mean. When you know that you've got a 12 million buyout yeah, clause, like, how how nicely did he ask him? Like well, obviously take there, about Fernandos and say ca- <laughs> caveats
3: know. to that though, isn't it? There, there might be a, a clause in there sure. that if he joins another Premier League club between now and the end of the season, that money it doesn't go to his bank account; it it just loses that money. So there, there'll be there'll be ties and clauses written into these things. There always are, isn't there? Very much so. And if you
2: look, if you want to be a cynic and you talk about the chronological season with going back to even like the social situation, with all the speculation that was being nailed on for Pochettino, there was murmurs that this was nailed on and players became aware of that. And then when it's not happened... Start to wonder when. And also, is he our gaffer? And that's why he probably lost the dressing room as quick because they know he's on his way or his, his mind somewhere else. And that's why you can't galvanise and say, come on, guys, dig in. And yeah. everybody's thinking, well, hang on.
3: We know you're off. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. One final question on Spurs before we focus on West Ham for a little bit. Christian Eriksson, and not only him, but Danny Rose, Betongan, Alderweireld, these are all players that will be out of contract at Tottenham Hotspur in the summer, which means that as of January, which is now less than five weeks away, they'll be able to start talking to other clubs uh, to try and find themselves new deals. Christian Eriksson's mentioned about how he's definitely probably going to look for a new challenge. Would the Mourinho factor then change some of these players' minds? Is Christian Christian Eriksson now starting to think, well, maybe I should stay after all?
1: Well, it depends. It depends what Mourinho wants from his right side. And to be fair, at United he didn't always play a winger there, did he? So you could play him on the right, but you would—you'd imagine Ali would be the, the mm. choice for number ten. But I did think—I did think Ericsson would maybe be one of the ones who, who'd consider.
0: I think—I think from the the point of view of the players, the Champions League final back in June—that was their first opportunity to win something. There's a lot of those players have been at that club for a long time. The end of the and, cycle, Pochettino yeah, decided. But they, they, it. They, you know that that was a great opportunity for them, and and they didn't get there. And it doesn't always happen. We know that. But obviously, the one thing we know about Mourinho is, like it or 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 not like it, he can win. And we saw when he went into United straight away, he picks up a couple of trophies within that first season. And so, and and. In recent years, we've seen that with Mourinho as well. He goes in as a great first season, dodgy second season, bye bye third season. And the the Spurs players were going, well, hang on, maybe, maybe we're going to get something here. Maybe maybe him being here is going to be our opportunity because he knows how to win.
2: It's going to take a lot of cajoling. He did. It, I think he's been brilliant so far. His PR that he's put across is deflecting it, putting it all back into the players, giving them onus, saying, Look, I'm just here, It impacts all on them, don't want to do anything there. Even to the point where waiting for Deli Ali and Son to come off the pitch after giving the shirt, everybody's getting a high five and mm. trying to grind and get this collective to say, look, it's you guys and he's very, very good at, you know, doing that. And when you say making players feel special, Deli Ali, even in his even in his manner and the way he's talking, he was all he was setting himself targets in that you know, the post match interview. Now, yeah. I don't want to be the guy of two years ago. I want to be the guy better be on that. So he's already well, putting himself in those Jose situations.
3: was saying he's too good not to be in the England team. He's too good not to be one of the best players in the world for his age. So he was really lumping the praise on. And, and like I say, that's why when he first came, I think they called him Mr. Motivator. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably where that that. came from. But it's the complete opposite
0: from. to the way you were talking about Pogba, for example. United. <laughs> yeah. I,
3: I did notice that when Jose was at Manchester United, because back in the early Chelsea days, he would never, ever criticise the players. Mm. He would always take all of the blame. Whereas at Manchester United, that's certainly tended to, to switch around and even in his second spell at Chelsea towards the end there. Um, let's talk about West Ham then. Manuel Pellegrini is certainly one of the play, uh, certainly one of the managers, I should say, under severe, severe pressure. West Ham United, winless in eight games in all competitions. The Seven of those Premier League games, one of those was a League Cup game in which they lost 4-0 to League One Oxford United. So the problems are evident for West Ham. Their next game is at Chelsea, which is not going to be easy for them. How in danger... Are they slipping into the relegation zone, or really being in a relegation battle with Manuel Pellegrini at the helm? I will look at you, Sam, because you know Manuel Pellegrini. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing because, desk.
1: like, I don't know. Two months ago, I was sat here, and you were talking about, oh, how how likely a West Ham to challenge for the top six? And I was yeah, like, listen, listen
3: mate, I've got a job to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 fair enough. Um,
1: yeah, it, it could happen. It could happen. Um, I, but I, I imagine they'll change manager pretty soon. Do you if think it's they not- should?
3: Do they it's it the only. It's op- it the only option, bad? isn't
1: it? When it's the only option for clubs, because. What? If if it slides to that extent and you're not getting anything from back from the players, it's the old cliche, but it's true, you can't sack the 25 players. So what do you do? You change the manager.
2: He looks bereft of ideas and even to the point where, even after the end of the game, he's not, He's not. like he, he looks like a flawed man already, doesn't yeah. he? He looks like he's being dragged off the canvas to go, go, go and do this interview. He's, I, he looks like he's gone.
3: I teed off on West Ham during the podcast earlier this week and I said, why was Manuel Pellegrini employed in the first place? It felt like a real lazy appointment by West Ham United. The man's 66 years old, only manager older than him in the Premier League is Roy Hodgson. But, I mean with West Ham what they're trying to do they've got a, a new stadium they've got this new vision they've e- even small things like they've changed the branding of the club the crest looks different they they know that the fans have this vision of playing european mm. football on a regular basis so why have they employed a manager and they thought oh Manuel Pellegrini, Pellegrini's won the premier league once he must but, be a but right that, fit. that's great pr it's, it's, in, in, in terms of but investment it win in you the football cl- games. no 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 it but doesn't it, get you in the Euro- but europe but it gets you
0: investment it gets you investment because you say we now have a manager at our club who has won the premier league now uh, it just
3: doesn't feel like,
0: with all of the vision of
3: West Ham United of moving the club forward into the future, does a 66-year-old man who won the Premier League a few years ago under a really good Man city side, does that really feel like the right fit at the time? Does it now? Definitely not.
0: I mean, my first response to that is, is he really only 66? Because he looks to have aged about 20 years in yeah. the last few few games. Yeah. So he's got,
1: he has got a great TV there.
3: Obviously, oh, going, uh, absolutely, going, absolutely.
1: going to China doesn't really bode no. well. But it's mm-hmm. not like... like it, it slid again at City but even so you could probably say in that final season it wasn't entirely his fault I mean they weren't a great they weren't a great team and I was reading an article the other day from at the time when they announced Guardiola was taking over in February and they were like City can still win four trophies this year I mean that was always unlikely even at the mm. time You know, even if Guardiola hadn't been announced but yeah it wasn't all Pellegrini's fault that um if you look at, like, we're talking about Mourinho, yes. there's more evidence to suggest, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have Pellegrini instead of Mourinho, but there's more evidence to suggest that Mourinho would be a bad hire. And if you look at the last two jobs now, they've both gone, because you think you, you're almost certainly going to get a disaster here. If you look at Pellegrini's jobs, there's no there's no like massive disaster there. Villarreal was good, Real Madrid was good, came to City, won the league, drifted a bit. He did
0: get the, we'll the, the Carabao Cup as well, didn't yeah, yeah. He?
2: Doesn't antagonise. He's, in, he's in,
1: safe. Just in terms of what West Ham were <laughs> looking for. Yeah, but I mean, t- but yeah, but in terms of what West Ham were looking for, good players, you know, Felipe Anderson, that kind of thing. Players with a bit of quality. He's got experience of players mm-hmm. with a bit of quality. To be fair, you wouldn't say he's got experience of like moulding them into too much of a coherent team, you know? Like in that last season, he was just playing Yaya Torrey in midfield, and Torrey was walking around Go, I haven't got the energy for
0: this. <laughs> my, my my question, my question for you all is this: is with what we've seen. This week with Spurs, so um, within was it twelve hours of Pochettino going, yeah, it's announced that Mourinho's in. You go back earlier in the season with Watford, well, that was like a similar sort of time period, wasn't it? One in, one what next? Ne- next one in within this like yeah, at halftime, the same time, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And so, I'm thinking they must have, you know, within the boardroom, West Ham, David Gold, they must have somebody already lined up. Do do we think that's the case? Because it seems to. We've gone from this thing where, even though just a few seasons ago, where we had that debacle with Everton and Allardyce, you know, they kind of like went to him and then, said, no, messed around, messed around, then came back to him again later. It, it's.
3: Well, we'll talk about Everton in a yeah. minute, but I see what you're saying because the rumours have been that Rafa Benitez might be on West Ham's radar. I don't know whether that's true or false. That's just purely
0: speculation, which has come out, but. but I think as, be a good fit. You do. Definitely. Oh, and, uh, uh, you know, that would be amazing, I think. Uh, that would be a step up for me.
1: Oh, yeah, I think it would be a step coaching-wise, for sure. Um, style of football, and, you know, West Ham, a bit funny about that. To be fair, they didn't like Moyes, uh, is and, the again, what is the West they West didn't Ham like Allardyce. Like... You, yeah, but, but, not... no, but they have, but whatever, whatever it is or it isn't, they have uh, got an idea of what it really? should be. And that, think... ma- that makes a difference. I don't think anyone knows what the West yeah, Ham is. Yeah, but the fans is. do. The fans know <laughs> they want attacking football. football, don't they? Yeah, they'll, they'll and if they bring Benitez in, to be fair, Benitez is probably that good... A defensive coach, it's probably like, well with a bit of back in and a, a few decent players he could probably do it I think he'd get the benefit of the doubt. it wouldn't be like when they got Moyes and Allardyce in and straight right. off from the off they hated it Okay, and it wouldn't be like when Benitez went to Chelsea mm. because obviously Chelsea have got different aspirations altogether West Ham are probably okay. like beggars can't be choosers in this Yeah,
3: at this in moment this case, in time so keep most, us in. most definitely final score at the London Stadium West Ham 2 Tottenham Hotspur 3 a first three points for Jose Mourinho as Tottenham Hotspur manager but the pressure mounts on Manuel Pellegrini next we're going to the evening kickoff from Saturday at the Etihad Manchester City 2, Chelsea 1 Pep Guardiola, Sam heaped the praise on Chelsea saying they're an incredible team but I always feel that every time it's a difficult game he seems to say that anyway uh, how good yeah. were Chelsea before we they're, talk about City? How, they were good. How, how much of an a chance have they got to be successful under Lampard if they continue on the current trajectory?
1: Yeah they're definitely heading in the right direction I mean to be fair when Ch- when Chelsea lost 6-0 at City earlier in the year Chelsea were really good for the first 20 minutes but they were mm. still 4-0 down mm. but it was like Okay, I can kind of I can see what they're doing. They are they are quite good, and they showed in the League Cup final as well that you know they when they when they wanted to do what sorry was asking, they were really good. But yesterday, I did think, yeah, like Chelsea and Lampard will be back. Like whether there's a cup game later in the season or next season, it's like we, this isn't the last we've seen of them. You know, I don't think it's a, a flash in the pan. This, these results they've had, I don't think it's going to tail off. Kind of you know like like at United, you could probably say is the one obvious parallel. Um yeah, they were really good. Um they looked better than City in the first half. Um I, I wouldn't I don't even know who I'd say deserved to win at the on the end of it. I mean I suppose you couldn't you can't fault the fact that City did win. I think Chelsea kind of faded a bit. But yeah, they look they look really good. They've really taken to what Lampard's doing. Yeah. probably built a bit on what Saris doing to be fair Lampis still Lampard getting said... forward Jorginho's still the fulcrum of it
3: yeah Lampard said there was evidence that they were closing the gap. hundred percent yeah would that be fair
1: I think yeah definitely yeah they were they were really really good in that first half they they it wasn't and it wasn't just like you know, wolves you know wolves got a good result. obviously they won and yeah. they had they had a really good you know kind of they had a really good performance where they kept it tight and quite high at the pitch Count sacks, they can' yeah. you know they won mm. the ball back high up and they, they 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 executed a plan on the day, but I feel like Chelsea would more than executing just a plan on the day, more than just a one-off. I think more of a. I think they've that. got more about them. You know, they're mm. not they're not just a team that can, you know, can score goals against a bad mm. side. They can go and mix it up, and you know, yeah. it looked like they'd done their homework. They'd stopped City getting getting the ball to Rodri and building from there. They'd made it really difficult for City to yeah. build up as they did. The amount of times they won the ball in the second half, well, when half said, the City team were up the pitch,
2: Chelsea just like they got. Like you mentioned they got a load they of energy so about often. them as well at the moment, so they are. They've got people. Like I said, running for We'd so Like I said, the game plan's there, but they're actually buying into you know, yeah. what he's trying
0: to do. And the interesting statistic that's come out from this game as well was it was <laughs> the worst possession statistics for any Guardiola team yeah. in his old time at Bayern Munich and uh, Barcelona as well. There's, and obviously, City have dominated position, possession for most of the games they played in. Uh, but this was, the, I think, dropped drop to like 41%? 48, 48 I think it was. Right. 47.5 or something like that.
3: Well, Lampard's added this remarkable likability factor to Chelsea, which was never there before under any of the previous managers, which is just, you know, either testament to him as a guy, but also maybe the players that have come through, the young players that, due to this transfer embargo that we've seen over the last couple of transfer windows, they've not been able to sign any players. So that's kind of where that might have come from. But as for Manchester City needing to win this game, because, of course, with Liverpool having picked up a late, late victory against Crystal Palace... Sure. With of course the game before the international break where Liverpool beat Manchester City, coming back off the international break and then playing against Chelsea was never going to be the easiest game ever, was it?
0: No, and it was, and obviously there was a because City fans are a, a lot of love for Lampard as well. So I mean, I I, I wasn't at the game myself, so I don't know how, quite how he was received. I imagine he yeah, pretty he warmly, yeah. very warmly. So he was only with with City for a brief period, but uh, well loved, and I, th- I think. I mean obviously we we're going to come and talk about Leicester as well who are certainly in the mix with it as well. I think that first 20 minutes did look worrying for city but then when you look at the rest of the stats and you go through it I I don't think Chelsea had a shot on target again um after after that goal. Uh they they can't there was the came close at the end with Willian but I don't think there was an actual shot on target in the rest of the game. Um some brilliant brilliance from uh, we were just watching it again before we started recording there at uh, De Bruyne and there's just a, the little lean back we were saying we could, chatting with Sam just before he gets into the box to to slot the goal away and there was a deflection with a bit of luck on that but there's just this little thing that he does and I was trying to think of how, how you would describe it just before he passes the ball he almost pauses and leans yeah, back so, yeah. it's like a shimmy it's like little, a body feint and it's just and then, and that extra bit of yeah, space and then the and then off. 7 seconds later when he's in the box and the ball comes back to him it's just so calm and he he just doesn't seem to get flustered and it's so important that he's there especially now when you've got this we've got all the injuries in defense You've got the injury that looks like being a bad one, as they've said to Aguero. We don't quite know at the time of are recording. We haven't heard back about uh, how long he's likely to be out for. Um, but with Maras stepping up as well, I think City are, 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 are showing their strength and depth. It's really coming good for them. So that was a really important win, and it does bode well that they're able to move forward from this point.
3: Riyad Mahrez got the winner, Julian. Um, often, sort of, not understated at Manchester City, but in terms of the attackers that they've got, you probably wouldn't place him at the very top of the list in terms of the quality of, of forwards they've got. And of course, with Sane out injured as well, that adds extra emphasis on those players to to come good and perform. And it was an excellent individual goal from Mahrez to win the game for City. Absolutely, he's got that in his locker all day.
2: And I think it's a, been a bit of a mind shift for Mahrez. Again, i was just some of the Leicester lads and... Especially Danny Simpson, and he just said, "Look, they, he knew that Maraz was never ever gonna come back. You know that they were set up for that. To, to, even when they're going, even they at a, a corner attacking, he knew he's never gonna come back. Maraz now knows because he's not top dog. He's got to change. He's got to do the shift. Like he, I think he he uh, lost one ball and he actually chased back like you wouldn't like stink. You know because <laughs> yeah. obviously that's Guardiola's you know uh, mantra. But when you've got players like that, when they've got that in the locker, you can't." You can't take your, you know, your for five minutes. He cut inside. He's and that slalom. They know he's going to come in, and you just he always <laughs> going to favour shifting it onto that exactly. Record, but isn't he? The, the finish was, you know, was top quality. But yeah. I think, like you said, they're going to become more prevalent. These peripheral plays, if you want to call them, still some of the best plays in the league. But they are going to have to step up. They are going to really try and kick on and keep the pressure on Liverpool.
3: Next up for Manchester City is Newcastle United, who have enjoyed an upturn in form since the start of October ish um one of the sides that managed to beat Manchester City last season if mm. i'm not mistaken mm-hmm.
0: um around this time of year as well around wasn't it? no st- it was january it, wasn't just it? Christ- then just then that, after Christmas, yeah. and then they
1: lost yeah. and then they went
0: on that 14 game winning run
3: yeah i mean is that that's what's going to take for manchester city again isn't it
0: yeah. yeah i that that may not even be enough though the way liverpool are going are you, liverpool...
3: Are you, do you have faith are you confident as a manchester no, city no i you? i mean i'm
0: i'm confident in city able to sort of put together a great run of results and go strong to the end of the season but I think just what we're seeing with Liverpool again with that late winner yesterday, you know, the fact that they're just getting the squeezing that the results we've seen it all season. They haven't necessarily been playing at the best and they're getting wins. Last season a lot of those games there would have been draws. And mm. there's gonna to have to be a lot of those for City to gain the ground. Okay. And, and and Leicester as well.
3: Manchester City winning the game at the Eti by two goals to one against Chelsea. That moves City up to third on twenty eight points. Chelsea remain in the top four though on twenty six points with a comfortable seven-point gap between fourth and fifth. Right then, moving on, let's talk about the, a basement battle down at the bottom end of the Premier League table. Everton against Norwich. Marco Silva, we were having a bit of a How back and How is forth.
0: Silva still in the job?
3: How did Silva get the job? How is Silva still in the job? How did Silva get the job? <laughs> and back and forth? Still we could do this all night because that is the question that many people are asking. I guess what I will ask is, will Marco Silva have a job, Julian? Will he have a job in the next week, maybe?
2: I would only say yes because of the options that are available to Everton with the budgets and they don't like to spend big money on managers. So I think he might just hang in by the skin of his teeth. How does he keep convincing people? Portuguese. It's a nice Portuguese. If you've got a Portuguese manager, it's, it's all the George Best syndrome. Every Irish young lad used to get a football trial back in the day. Every Portuguese <laughs> manager gets a job when you haven't got Mourinho. When Mourinho comes in, sorry. So, no, it's... it's he. I'm not saying he fails to deliver. Every He, he does well under... When there's not much expectation, because he, you know, he's like, oh, he's like a battler, and you know, he's quite amiable when you speak to him. But when he goes to somewhere, like Everton, who are a bit of a hit and miss, and you know, they have got aspirations, but they know they're not going to do great things. Everton fans are not liking what's happening, and to be fair, Everton are probably one of the clubs who do actually listen to the listen to the fans before they make decisions and mm. managerial
3: wise. And but I still think he's going there because there's not many options for them. You can't lose 2-0 to Norwich, which was the final score, by the way, if you don't know the results. Everton 0 Norwich 2 at Goodison Park. Norwich scoring two goals away from home. That's their first goals away since the first day of the (laughs) season when they lost 4-1 to Liverpool. Um, Marco Silva, I say, how does he keep getting the job? By all accounts, apparently Marcel Brands and Mashiri like the idea of what Marco Silva's trying to do. But what is Marco Silva trying to do and what he is maybe trying to do isn't working, Sam. It's just not working. He should be getting more out of the players. He should be getting more out of that Everton team. Do you not think?
1: Yeah. Um, it's well. I mean, it clearly isn't working and it's not like it's a one-off result. If I don't know, if Palace or... I mean, who, else, who else is in the Premier League? Sheffield United. If they were to lose 2-0 at home to Norwich, you think, oh, OK, it can happen. But Everton and the the way they're going at the moment, it's just like it's just another step towards the inevitable, isn't it? With the way we were talking about Pellegrini, when it just drifts to that extent, what are you going to do? There is only one thing you can do, and it's change the manager. Do you think
3: what's saving him is the fact that they chased him for so long? That you know they tried to pick him up when he was at Watford, and then there was this whole case between the two clubs. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think went down, and that was a little bit sour. Generally,
1: want to make the change that quickly, you know? I don't think clubs want to rush into it. But I think you just get into a situation where, and obviously it builds. You know, the people making the decisions are humans, like anyone else. They're as susceptible to listening to, you know, fan opinions and Twitter opinions and everything. It, It just builds and builds into thinking there's nothing else we can do but sack him now. And this, this is what I mean by that result. You lose. A home two nil to Norwich. You can't just write it off as a one off, no, because it, it completely fits in with everything else.
2: I just threw it there. I think it was a great thing what you know Seamus Coleman came out with, and you know he was very very honest and says, look, you know, he's not one for jumping on the bandwagon and hiding behind the manager. He said, you know, we were the ones that are on the pitch. Obviously, the manager's the one who picks the eleven mm-hmm. and supposed to galvanise him the part of the week and have a game plan. But I think that showed a bit of class on Coleman's side. But again, you're, you're totally right. What you are he in normal circumstances he would be gone. Yeah, but.
1: Everton,
3: I think part, well, we never
1: know, you know. So normally at the start of the week, I think it, part of it is as well is that too.
3: Marco Silva's Goodison Park record for for most part was was fantastic, and that was that was sort of sparing his blushes a little bit because away from home, Everton couldn't buy a win for so long, but nobody could ever beat them at Goodison. Now they can't win at home as
0: consistently, and they can't win away. So what, what else is there to do? So the, the, there's a lot of things we're hearing at the minute with what's going on in other parts of the world. Where we're hearing about fact checks. Right and and I just looking at his statistics, his career statistics. Some some interesting facts on this. Now he had that great season, or uh, two at Olympiakos when I think he was I'm looking at the stats. Thirty eight wins out of forty eight games, which is pretty good by any standard. Again, it's the Greek league, and yeah, that's no sure. disrespect to them, but uh, no totally it's no tragedy. It's a tragedy. Is Premier League record? Right, um, twenty two games at Hull. He he won eight, lost eleven. Paul uh, got relegated. They were crap though, tw- they? 26 games at Watford. He did well to get that. 26 games at one, Watford, won eight, lost 13. So you're looking at a win percentage of what? 36% and 30%. And then Everton, he's had 58 games and he's um, almost now lost with that defeat. He's almost lost as many as he's won since so, he's been at Everton. So, Mourinho, Portuguese. Well, Ever-
3: Everton is Everton are inconsistent under Silver. They they'll be amazing for six months and and terrible for six months. No, but, but they, that's they, not what the fans
0: want. But it's not about the. I'm just saying. Look at the facts here. This is like looking his record. Are you trying to say is, he's not very good? Is that what in say? the Premier League?
3: He's, right. not he's not
0: very good. And it's almost like they kind of they've got this some kind of maybe they went on holiday to Greece, the Everton board, and they, they saw him when he was there and they went, Isn't this brilliant? And they had great food and great wine and they had a great time and they had, wasn't it brilliant when we were there? And they keep going back to that nostalgia. But what? The seducer. Yeah, when you saying. look at the facts of what's <laughs> happening.
3: Seduced Everton. I know, yeah, it's, it's not as simple. What as I that. would say is this if Everton sacked Marco Silva, he won't get another job in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I was saying this earlier. Yeah. He won't not, get another f- job. Not for a while. Maybe in a few years he would go and so. reinvent himself in. Spain or France or Germany or Absolutely. Italy or whatever. Harsh but fair. I mean, yeah. I mean to be fair, he won wanted, he wanted the centre-back, didn't he? Um, they sold Idrissa Gay to PSG and he's been missed. So the midfield hasn't been protecting the defence as well. It sounds like exactly the same as what I say about City, to be fair. The midfield's not protecting the defence. The defence is <laughs> yeah. relatively weak. They're conceding chances, that kind of thing. So mm. he didn't quite get the players he wanted.
3: What about Norwich City, though? Great win for them. Their first since they beat Manchester City 3-2 in that incredible game, which no one could really explain. With that victory and with Watford losing 3-0 to Burnley, Southampton being pegged back in the dying seconds by Arsenal, that lifts them off the bottom of the table. They're now up into 18th, a jump of two places. And with Aston Villa playing Newcastle on Monday night, if if Newcastle beat Aston Villa, that leaves them just one point and one place from being out of the relegation zone, which even two weeks ago going into the international break, we all went, Norwich are doomed. Yeah. That's it, they're down, they're done.
0: But that's still only 10 points from 13 games. It's not good enough.
3: Well, that that's scary then when you see Southampton on 9 and Watford on 8. I mean, how bad are these teams? Are these the three teams that we're looking at that will go down? Because you can't say that West Ham, Everton, Villa or even Newcastle are safe. You can't say that at this moment in time. It's just a, a really strange shake-up down the bottom.
2: And That's why managers the- get
1: changed as well, isn't it? Yeah. Because you just need a run. If you win three games in a row, you're laughing. And like
2: you said, not many have got out-and-out goal scorers, which gets you out of the quagmire every now and again. So, it'll be Interesting.
3: Next up for Norwich, they've got Arsenal. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to beat Arsenal, but is this the start of something for, for Daniel Fark, do you think? Or is this just another one of those good win, but, you know, it's it was not going to happen for you.
1: If the start, I don't know, if it was if the start of anything, it was going to be beating City. and It just didn't happen, did it? No. I, I, they, look really, they looked so good that day. Mm. You know, City weren't quite themselves, but Norwich looked really, really good. Um, and it, it didn't happen. I'd, yeah, I'd... I'd be amazed if they won on any kind of run for now.
0: I'd be amazed if they stayed up. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah fair. It, it, it it would be nice to see them stay up, um, especially if you're an Norwich fan. But uh, yeah, I th- I think the the problem is though. The, f- f- what goes in their favour is Everton uh, look like being one of the teams in their mix that's going to be Gets in Gets there. Softening. So that, that that's a much more valuable win than it would have been.
2: Yeah, so, absolutely. And to be fair, the moment, just to finish on there. You know, the the City game. I think when you got teams coming up, it, it does mess with players' I had I spoke to people before where they've said they've, they've, they beat a bigger team. They think, because they, they prep themselves, they get themselves so psyched up thinking the Premier is going to be so hard, and they beat a top team, and they naturally do. I've seen players that they take the foot right off the gas because they think we can do it. And then when they go and get absolutely trolloped after that, when they, they need a sort of like this this game like against a an Everton, which could be the catalyst because this is where. You know, this is where you belong technically. This is what you're up against. This yeah. is this is your place. Mm. So if he's clever, the gaffer, he can you know he can build on that. But mm. the, the
3: city, the city game, honestly, because they take the foot right off the gas. It's the classic three points to three points. Doesn't matter who you beat, isn't it? You can beat Manchester City, but if you go and lose to Watford, for example, like they did, then what's the point? You know, that's just <laughs> that's the the funny way football works, of course. Um, Pellegrini under pressure, Marco Silver under pressure. And Unai Emery of course is under pressure as well. We'll take a quick break but afterwards we'll be talking about Arsenal's late show against Southampton and the boos that were ringing around the Emirates don't go anywhere.
1: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League Review.
3: This is Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. This is the Premier League Review Show. I'm Niall, I've got Sam, Ants and Julian in the studio with me. We've been speaking about all the Premier League games. Well, we will be speaking about all the Premier League games because we haven't quite finished yet. And let's go to the Emirates Stadium where there were audible audible boos at full-time Ants because Southampton came to London and picked up a draw, which many people probably wouldn't have expected before the game, but they were quite unlucky by all accounts not to win. It was only a late goal. From Lacazette, which saved Arsenal's blushes, but that wasn't enough to stop the uh, the Arsenal fans expressing their frustration, which we've seen already once this season with what happened with Granit Xhaka. Um, that this time the the fury was very much directed at the manager. Arsenal could have won that, to be fair, and they'd have probably still been angry in those
1: circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, can carry on.
0: Th- th- this reminded me of the, the game earlier in the season against Watford, where it was a kind of slightly different play out, where they were, were two 0 up and they let that slip. Um, th- th- just just something. I really struggled to put my finger on what's going on. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Emery's struggling to put his finger on it as well and find a solution. But it just does not seem to be right. Everything seemed to be in place that they were building. They were coming back. Not a spectacular first season in charge, but to get them to that Europa League final, it, the, the, there were some moves, there were some some interesting things happening, but it's just not happening for them. On paper, it looks like they've got, apart from the defence, unfortunately, they've got the
3: players to do the job, I thought Tierney looked good. One of the players they signed, from what I saw, I thought Tierney but, had a good. Game. On, he had not played though on the on the day against Southampton. I thought he had a reasonable game.
2: The pen Carmilla. got caught in possession for the goal. He's, he's he had a bit of a bad badin, unfortunately. Oh,
3: different you know? game, eh? <laughs> watching a different game. Unfortunately, he yeah, he's a good player. I've seen. Him play I just from. thought attacking wise, but you, that's what you know you're going to get with Tierney, isn't it? But, that, that's that's the kind of flavour of the month with fullbacks. Are those fullbacks that push forward, but, put balls into the box?
0: But that only works if you've got the possession. Yeah.
2: And also you've got the
3: security at the back, like
0: I said. Yeah,
2: that's what they wouldn't be going for. He, so he will get exposed. He's asking probably to defend a little bit more than what he has done. But just going back to it there, the players that they've got, the, the midfield, decent players individually. The strikers,
0: Aubame- decent. Aubameyang's amazing.
2: It's quality. And, you know, even uh, Lacazette's goals, is, he's got that snap finish in the box. You can, yeah. you know, one touch, bang, one touch, bang, which is brilliant. But they're not creating enough chances. Again, Ozil, again flirted in and out. So we, when I can see why the manager is getting stick because if he can't get that being a cohesive unit, there's, yeah. there's got to be a problem. Yeah. There's got to be a
3: problem. And he's supposed to be a good coach, but he's not translating that into the way they're playing, unfortunately. So many times we've spoken on this podcast and we've go, oh, there's problems at Arsenal. This is happening. There's a fallout behind the scenes. The players aren't getting on with the manager. The manager's getting you know, the mickey taken out of him. It's been going on for ages. And it's almost like... Okay, Arsenal secure. It was. It's like I'm not shocked or surprised in any way whatsoever about that result. Not one bit.
1: Again, I mean, it feels like the only. It's the only thing I've got to say. And it's like, has football gone mad at the moment, or have I got no other analysis? But the player, like the players, have gone. You know, they <laughs> like when when you mentioned there, the players taking the mick out of the manager. Yeah, that's yeah. mad. It but in, in, but in other circumstances, at another club, he would have gone by now. But the Arsenal board are really determined to stick with him. Or they have been. We might see what happens in the next seven days. But they've been determined to stick with him. But in in other circumstances, if the players are taking the mick out of the manager, he's got no authority. They're not going to listen to him, are they? The, co- the coaching side of it's gone. They're not listening to him. Yeah. They've got good players, as you say. It's a it's a mess. And Southampton, when they're two one up. They they could have scored like another two or three at the end, like and, really really <laughs> big chances. And they're not very good. By and I mean, was. the Arsenal fans, like they are set, aren't they? They don't like Emery. They want him to go. Yeah. But like you can see. They got out of jail obviously with the goal at the end and people were like, Oh, you Arsenal fans are still unhappy huh. with the point. But again, they, they it, could have got battered. And, like, and, and more and more like, and this is Southampton, you know, Southampton are like having a
3: terrible time. Yeah. This um, is another Everton or Norwich or whoever. Should have just got you at the start of the show just to go. Hi, I'm Sam Lee, and everyone should be sacked. Yeah, exactly. That's basically what you're saying. I know, but, I but mean, what it other options like are it, there? It? I get what you're saying. What other options are there? And we talk about managerial options. I think Arsenal fans all kind of thought that that Jose was going to go to Arsenal. Obviously, he's joined Spurs. Pochettino's gone, and now some of them are going. Oh, we'll take Poch at Arsenal. I think they are uh,
1: happy with Lundberg.
3: Well, I mean, that might be the only option they've got at this moment in time. Yeah. I mean, w- would you go to Arsenal as a manager out of work at this moment in time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. brilliant club yeah. prestigious oh, club well, it'll be great yeah. we'll get I, I think I'd
1: probably rather go Arsenal than United
0: although that stadium's looking a bit dated now since this first one came up. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, crazy isn't it there, to Yeah. all yeah. the, the thing that really stood out for me wasn't so much stuff that happened on the ball really interesting the penalty so uh, Tony gives away the penalty mm. and ha- half the Arsenal players Don't just in. stand with mm. their hands on their hips right there's, it's almost like a penalty shootout at a World Cup. They may as well be stood on the halfway line. There's just, there's just not. It's not that they don't react. They don't even think that there might be an opportunity. And the keeper makes the save, and it's followed up. And I think almost two uh, two it's, Southampton it's bit, players get there before you even see any Arsenal players in the shot of the camera. It's, it's just, to me, that seems madness.
3: Bring Tony Adams back. <laughs> Talking of madness... Tony us. No, that is madness. That is madness. Yeah, he he managed my club, Portsmouth, and uh, things didn't go too well for us after uh, after he took control of the club. So not
0: seen him since he turned up in the FA Cup coverage with that blue velour suit on. Beautiful. Oh, lovely.
3: Tony's out of a job. Um, Could Emery be out of a job soon? Most likely. Uh, As for Southampton, how much of a a, a crushing blow would that be conceding late on because three points would have taken them out of the relegation zone by all accounts. I think it at least, buys, at least think they it would it have A lot of, of
1: time there, doesn't it?
2: And it gives them something to build on to t- have the conversation. This what can, This what we can yeah, achieve. Yeah, yeah. And you know, just a momentary lapse. And is X he a good manager,
3: up. or is it all a, all a myth? The next Jurgen Klopp. Just because they're both from sort of Central Europe, they both you know, they have kind of got these personalities. They both wear hats. That's what <laughs> that's what Southampton fans were saying. The next Jurgen Klopp. It's not happened. Is he? Is he really no, that go good? heading
1: into the season? We were supposed what? to be right. Let's see what. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't Southampton are all about, and,
3: and what are they all about? Not, has it? They're not very good. Yeah. I and mean, he I... said, and he says, in January, Southampton need to sign a top, top defender. Where are they going to get get one of those from? Unless they can find the next Virgil Van Dyke, which it wasn't a secret when he was at Celtic, they just <laughs> picked him up before everyone else. I, 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 where are they? The thing where is, for, are a, they for every manager at from? that
1: level, and I mean, and you, you could extend it. I mean, I think it's a bit harsh to say. Well, you know, Klopp's got better players so he's doing better I think I'd, I'm not buying into that but I think at the other end of this scale if you look at Arsenal, all basically every manager like that and you go like when I was saying about Marcus Silver, really not getting the centre-back he wanted and losing game midfield if you look at Chris Wilder at the Sheffield players United. he's got and his coaching ability and his motivational ability you just think well if he can do it with them then I can do it at Southampton or I can do it at Everton and I think that's kind of that's probably the biggest argument against the coaches in the in you know the, the bottom half of
0: the table. I don't think it's as simple as the coaches or the quality of the players. I, I think, especially, th- th- there seems to me to have been a, a transformation in, in, in football recently. These things are all important. It's important to have like a Jurgen Klopp-type character, and it's important to have an Aguero or somebody up front that will get you the goals. But it's that team spirit. And we'll, we'll talk about Sheffield United in a yeah. minute. But that's really what, what you see that there's going on there. Because, because,
1: the manager cultivates that though, don't they? Exactly, well, like I say, with the coaching the and thing, the motivation, it, 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 the manager cultivates
3: because that. I'm a, because I'm a Portsmouth fan, this is going to sound like I'm bitter or whatever. But this time last season, they sacked Mark Hughes. Similar run of form, similar position. They sacked Mark Hughes. They brought Haas and Hurt away and things started to pick up. Are they just not a very good team? I mean, is that, is that, can that just be an answer? They're not very good. I mean, it doesn't matter who you put in there. You could put any manager in there, and they just probably won't be that good. Their next game's Watford. If they lose that, they are in serious, serious trouble. I think that could be the coup de
2: grace if that was the case, because you want to get it done before the window. Things again, you know, deals are getting done now as we speak. Mm. and players won't be moving to certain places if they don't know that the gonna be in place who's doing the negotiations or looking to bring them in. Mm. I know you've got sporting directors and so forth and, you know, heads of recruitment, mm. but generally they want them to know who they're playing with. Um, Southampton, again, it's that identity. What do you, what what you know, as, as a board, as a club, what are you? You know, you can't keep stripping the asset. Your production like, lines are like, on dry, yeah, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And even the young lads are putting in, you know, the quality's not there because the, the players... The manager's not get them galvanised. He's not got a, a, a good team spirit. So it's like lambs to the slaughter. They would look very, very disjointed. And you'd be surprised, even your like established players such as your Bertrands, your mm. Prowse, and your Redmonds, they're probably the most sellable assets. You yeah. know, it's whether you know they're going to you know stick around and you know be left out to dry. They've
0: only got a few more years left of you know earning potential, and it's not going to
2: happen at Southampton. I don't feel.
0: Is it the scouting network that's the problem? Because that's what. Basically kept that that club going for such a long time, and mm-hmm. you, the the Premier League, especially the top of the table, is littered with players that that came through Southampton. They sold them on, um, but that was because it seems to be they had that great network that went out and would find these players, develop that. I mean, you go even as far back as Walcott. You know, you you always had these players that could be. To,
2: to be fair, the players that they were developing and bringing through were being developed in like your League One, E Championships. So you've got that you know latitude to. Win some, lose some, and you're not playing against good opponents. You can bleed them. In the Premier League, it doesn't give you that license. So even if they are there, they'd get absolutely mm. and yeah. you 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 end careers. Listen, I think it their their, a a clubs,
3: their so. academy has run dry, but I'm not going to say their academy isn't good because it's absolutely exceptional. But they might they might just be going through a lull. It might yeah, be it going happens. through a dry like, patch. you look
1: like Dortmund, and, Porto, Monaco, teams yeah, like that who who bring in players and sell them, and then they yeah. go and buy someone else. Eventually, you know, if you buy, if you buy the wrong have replacement, you have, yeah. you have you have a bad patch. And, and this like, is, Vestergaard is no Van Dyke, is You can see what they were going for, but he's no Van Dyke.
3: Arsenal 2, Southampton 2. Let's move on to Sheffield United against Manchester United. The only game on Sunday, but what a game it was! Oh, oh for seventy minutes. A, a manager Amazing. you know, a, a manager under serious pressure for 70 minutes in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Sheffield United look bang up for it as they always do under Chris Wilder. Really rate Chris Wilder as a manager. I said it since the start of the season. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I said, because I've watched him manage through the leagues. He, he took Sheffield United. He, he managed Northampton to the League Two title, went to Sheffield United, managed them to the League One title, got them up through the Championship to the Premier League. He's a very, very good manager. And you can see why. Because mm. he gets the players to give everything for him.
0: I was sat there uh, watching, watching the game today and the crowd singing out, there's only one United and a win means that uh, they're going to be in fifth place competing for Europe and they're playing like a real team. There's some great bits of skill and they just seem really up for it. They're going in for the challenges, all this stuff. And then I had to pinch myself and go, oh, this is Sheffield United that are doing this, not Manchester United. And, and there was a flip. And I, I was sat there for a moment thinking... and and looking look at the way some of the players are, uh, were, were were playing and how they were performing. And I suddenly thought to myself, you've got this bit of a, a, a dichotomy where you've had um, players that have not done so well at other clubs come into Sheffield United and gelled and things are working and it's coming together. right? And then you've had players with big profiles and have done well at other clubs that have come into United... And Manchester not United. Yeah, sorry. That <laughs> the, the confusion is there, and so again, maybe this comes back to what we're talking about: the the, the culture of being a manager. Uh, what was the only thing I would say that that stuck in my mind is it was evocative of the the game they played against Liverpool again at Bramall Lane, where for seventy minutes they raised their game. Mm. One little drop of concentration around seventy minutes, uh, mistake by the keeper. Liverpool go away with the win. Similar thing here. There was a substitution. Maybe that's what what put them off. But up to 70 minutes, they were running away with it, 2-0. And then this crazy sort of 10-minute period where goals were flying around. It
3: was one moment of brilliance. It was a moment of quality from young Williams, who scored a brilliant half volley. What a great first goal to get. Absolutely. And, and, you know, United's... You know, Williams was the youngest goal scorer in the Premier League this season until Mason Greenwood scored a few (laughs) minutes later. And then that record was taken away from him. So... Sometimes it takes that moment of quality, Julian, just to spark a team into life. And then we saw it again, um, you know, with with James as well, doing good things as he's done all season. And then that was the moment, wasn't it, that when Greenwood scored, I felt like Sheffield United kind of went into their shell a bit.
2: And that's the difference. You've got a team like Manchester United struggling, but they've got players who have got absolute, you know, attributes that will win a game or pull you back into a game. And Sheffield cruising, because the Olays are coming out at one stage, they're 2-0, and then a goal like that, it does... Create a crack, and then it's the confidence when I mean, you're not used to playing at that level and you're playing against a big team. Because Man United is still a big club, you can, you can create that false economy. That goal, the, the half volley, well, that's, mm. that's the benefit of playing a right foot or a left back, I suppose, as well. Mm. Didn't celebrate back in, and I just thought it was going to peter out. I think that was, you know, just a bit of, yeah, we got back in, but then they just hit in, hit gears, and that's what United have got. When you got that pace and the, the, the Greenwood substitution, brilliant few minutes later, scores, then Rashford yeah. again. So people will be crediting Solskjaer for um, you know, the inspired substitutions, but then you can actually qualify it again by saying, well, well hang on. The we- midfield
3: he picked to start with was a question mark, and Jones came in and, and for the Sheffield United's first <laughs> well, goal. Well, even Lingard came at yeah, half-time in and a didn't mistake. look into that. <laughs> um, we re- we, we had both suggested, Sam, whilst we were talking about it, uh, just outside the studio, that Sheffield United did recede after you know, I Manchester thought United one. scored their when, first goal. Yeah,
1: when Williams scored, they were just kind of hacking it away. And do you remember, you know, when... Spurs obviously scored early at Anfield the other week and Danny Rose booted it into the crowd and everyone was like, Oh, that's funny. I was like, if that's as like nervous as it is, you know, if you're just looking to clear the ball any which way you can, mm. you're in trouble. Yeah. And Sheffield United started doing that when United got one back. And again, we'll probably talk about it with Liverpool, but look yesterday, Palace, just clear the ball, lads. <laughs> Leicester, when, when Leicester gave away a penalty at Liverpool, there was a mix up between Albright and, and Schmeichel They get nervous because the team's putting pressure on you. And you can see it coming. Like, with 20 minutes to to go in the game, you think, if they're just trying to hold on by their fingertips, they've stopped playing the football they were trying. You know, they're not playing out anymore. They're not mm. trying to counter-attack. They're not trying to build moves. They're just trying to get it, get rid. You get deeper and deeper. And that's, you're asking for trouble. Well, we mentioned
3: about the sack race. For Like I said, for an hour, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is very much in contention for that, you would argue. Yeah, yeah.
2: This would be interesting because they said the stumbling block for Pochettino was the 40 million bail. Now there's a, maybe a, a bit of compensation in regards to maybe signing on fees that will be integrated into a package if he, come, if he was to go to a Premier League club. What do United do? Do they delay the inevitable or is Oli going to be the one that's going to see them through? Unfortunately, you know, even the dialogue on the bench, he's looking around, he's trying to have dialogue with other coaches. Mm. Nobody's talking. Mm. People are just ignoring him, which is unfortunate because I don't think he's got that sort of like pull. You know the the feel good factor as what happens that like, jolt in the arm, but then to carry it through to get the momentum, you need to have either a bit of steel or some you know a tactical
3: mouse. and I think unfortunately it's 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 missing there. Okay, Sheffield United drop one place to sixth uh, on 18 points, uh, but still very much enjoying a, a fine season so far. Manchester United did have a chance to leapfrog there hosts, uh, and move into fifth place instead with that draw, they drop down to ninth place with 17 points Okay, moving on to the next game, we're going to look at Crystal Palace against Liverpool, Liverpool just keep doing it, much to the frustration of every Manchester City fan and probably a lot of other football fans up and down the land as well, Crystal Palace uh, very much in the game, Mm -hmm. and then Liverpool again just finding a way to do it finding a way through
0: Uh, Disallowed gold uh, to begin things with um, and looked like they rescued a point with... um... Zaha as well, but again, late, late winner from from Liverpool, and it just seems to be that that thing that United always had that Manchester United has 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 come to Liverpool now, and it it's starting to feel, and this is difficult for me to say as a Man City fan, but it's starting to feel inevitable. It's starting to feel that what whatever it is that they've done, whatever the changes that they made were, whether it's as simple as some kind of belief, maybe there's some kind of like curse that there's the the, the, the which stands that they've done it just seems to be happening for them it- but
3: as Sam says you know they've it took all of three minutes for Crystal Palace to fall behind again is, I mean is that the, n- still is still that going, the nervousness that Liverpool are starting to generate amongst other teams now? yeah of course is, it, is, is yeah. it just their quality or is yeah. it a combination of the two things
1: oh yeah, it's both it's the mentality you know there was an article of the of other week saying they they work on in training, you know, where they're 2-1 down and they've got, you know, they've got five minutes to, to score two goals and they've got they've got nine men playing against 11 or whatever. So they, apparently they try and work on it.
0: Mm.
3: Um, if that's possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's like practicing penalties, isn't it? You like,
3: never feel the same pressure, do you? Yeah, exactly. It's
1: not the same. But I mean, if they do work on it, I mean, I suppose there's, there's only so much you can do. And if mm-hmm. you practice penalties, then you can't replicate the, the pressure. But technique, you, you, yeah, you're best prepared you can be. So there's that. Um, and yeah, it's it's the mixture of the, the mentality and the belief and the hunger, I suppose. Um, I suppose some people might have thought by not winning the league last year, they might have been a bit broken and, and not quite come back the same. But you'd probably say, to be fair, they're even more hungry to, to go again this season. Um, I wrote an article today about City. You know, if Guardiola is to stay, as he talked about recently, they're going to need to change the players. Because either, you know, things start to get stale a bit eventually. Not just it's not a city thing, it's a football thing. Mm. It it will happen with Klopp, you know, if they win the league this year or maybe next year or they keep going, eventually they're either gonna have to change the manager or change the players. But at the moment they're riding the crest of that wave, kind of like City were this time two years ago. Mm. When City, you know, when they won eighteen games in a row. Mm. There was a Huddersfield game they scored later on, there was a Southampton game certainly scored right at the end. Sure. West Ham City scored at the end, they just keep going, and the other teams are like you just get scared, don't you? Because you think, yeah, oh, they're still yeah. coming you know here. We've got coming, something to hold on yeah. to. They stop playing. They try and hoof it clear. And yeah,
2: If Liverpool didn't win the Champions League last season, I don't think they'd be, they wouldn't have the start they've had in the league this season. I think they've chalked that off to say, right, that's inevitable. Because like, you, can, you can reference it back to the Gerard time. We've done it. Well Now I'm... you guys can change the, you can create history. You can be the first Liverpool squad to win the Premier League title. That's, I think, what is Klopp's, you know, mantra
3: to what, I foolishly thought that Liverpool might struggle this year because of how close the title race was last year and that they just might have run out of steam and that the, the you know the the Champions League final as well I just felt that maybe it might have just been a step too far for them this season to continue it absolutely totally been proved wrong so far the scary thing is it still doesn't feel that like Liverpool's front three are, are still firing on on all cylinders it still feels that like there's there's more to come from them i actually said this to a friend of mine who's a Liverpool fan in the wake of Pochettino being sacked, I just thought it was interesting. I asked him if he felt that a similar thing might happen with Liverpool. I'm not saying that Jurgen Klopp's going to leave or get sacked by any means. What I'm saying is, is this the final opportunity that these players have got to win the Premier League? Because will Salah stay? Will Mane stay? Will Firmino stay? Will we see other players leave? Will we see a real sea change in terms of players moving on? Maybe not. But I just thought it was an interesting concept because it feels like if they don't do it now and they bottle it now, are they ever going to do it?
2: This is what I'm saying. If they don't win it this season, I think those players might leave. But if they do, I think Klopp's the kind of mind you can start using the words like legacy, new era, dominance, you know, taking harping back to the days of. That's what I think will be the, the, the mantra I keep saying behind that.
0: Well, he's already got, I don't know if you saw this week, for the first time I've seen it, obviously we're so used to calling it Fergie time still. Uh, uh, Clop- new phrase: cloppage time, yeah. which which sounds like a problem you would have with your boiler. You know this <laughs> cloppage, and uh, but interestingly on that, when 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 you look at it, I think um, so. The, just looking at the statistics now, so this season Liverpool have earned uh, five points in the last five minutes of a game, and of those four, four of those points have come in injury time as well. So no, So that that's pretty interesting. But also, actually, when you look at it. Uh, it's changed since Klopp come coming, not just this season. And Liverpool have now scored uh, scored more goals in the 90th minute plus uh, than any other club in the history of the Premier League.
2: Well, this comes back to... Remember when Gary Neville was saying that like United back in the day when they used to win? Mm. It said because they were fit and everybody else. And then it goes back to when Klopp first came in, all the soft tissue injuries they were having because they come from the Brendan Rodgers pass-pass you know, soft play to Rodgers, uh, to Klopp doing the high press, the gegen press, whatever you want to call it. And the transition for players to get their energy, you know, the training cycles, it can take up to 12 months because they have to change at least two pre-season in order to get that. Then it's reaping benefits because they're getting late goals, and that's that's physical and also mental.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you called it cloppage time because if it was called something like. Klopp's clock or something like that. It could get real messy on the yeah. <laughs> talking
0: on the podcast. Well, Copy sounds a little bit silly, doesn't it? So uh,
3: Liverpool's still top of the league, thirty-seven points. Um, Manchester, uh, Leicester City, sorry, their closest rivals in second place on twenty-nine. As for Crystal Palace, that's a third defeat in a row for Roy Hodgson. They're dropping like a stone down the Premier League table. They're now in thirteenth place, which is level on points with Newcastle United. If Newcastle be Aston Villa, um, obviously that will bump Crystal Palace down another place. Um, should they start? Being worried about their survival chances?
1: Palace, isn't it? They'll lose a few (laughs) games, they'll win a few games. They'll finish, I don't know, anywhere between hmm, 9th and 15th,
3: I guess. You think they've got the squad to stay in the league? Well, I
1: think they've what? Not necessarily the squad player for player, but yeah, they've got what they've got going on at the moment There's with, a lot. with Hodgson in charge and the players they have got was it Zaha's first goal yesterday Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so I mean it's not good enough but, but
3: they've got Burnley next week yeah, so if, if, they lose, if, right. if, they, if they lose to them I, I would maybe they always,
1: they always, they always they're always, all right. they always alright I mean I say a lot of Hodgson he, he always he always keeps them up are,
0: are you thinking what I'm thinking like it's five weeks to the uh, transfer window opens and Zaha pops up with a goal all of a sudden again
3: <laughs> is that you know coincidence is what I would say it'd be nice the, if he popped up with that second one afterwards but oh um, yes yeah, skied it can't have it all Can't win them all. Uh, Moving on now, let's talk about Brighton against Leicester City. Leicester, they just seem to enjoy playing in the pouring rain, don't they? Absolutely hammering down at the Amex Stadium. They won 2-0 away from home. A little bit of controversy with the VAR penalty. Jamie Vardy had to retake (laughs) it. Madison scored the rebound, which is annoying for me because Madison's in my fantasy team. I've had another stinker of a week. Mm -hmm. Um, But Leicester, they just keep winning. And the thing is, the run of fixtures they've got is looking very favourable indeed. So, I mean, this this could be be closer than many people... uh, anticipating I, I, if
1: Liverpool weren't so dominant he'd be like yeah, yeah. They, they could win it but
0: <laughs> but the most exciting thing for me is it's looking likely that that Leicester are going to be strong contenders if nothing else for Champions League football and they was so much fun seeing them in the way they yeah, played I really enjoyed that so uh, w- whatever way this season pans out that's one thing that I would really like to see is Leicester getting back into the Champions League would
2: they? because all the problems that came up on the back of it, because, you know, be careful what you wish for, you might just get it, then you need to get a serious squad put in place, and then it's Brendan Rodgers managing those personalities and squads. When it's he's when an underdog, it seems fine, but do when they, it becomes...
3: Do they need it, to negotiate the January transfer window before they start thinking about the Champions League? And the reason I say that is because you will get rumours, as you always do, with players in a team that are not as big as some of the other clubs in the division, a team's doing well, they've got good players, is there a danger of... There's not their squad being decimated, but, the, but players leaving in I January. I can't
1: see them. So they didn't sell Morrissey a couple of years ago, and mm. like that was just because yeah, they, they had think. an idea of the value. But now, when they're looking, you know, they've got a good thing going. They'd be mad to sell any of them. Oh no, I agree. And then, like, and the players will be even more. They can get even more money in the summer, I think. So yeah.
2: and to be fair, the players that they're likely to go and the clubs that are likely to take them are the ones that are big clubs under pressure. Would you want to go to them straight away when you've got this? Especially when you have got, you know. Yeah, okay, there's let's... load of talk about Madison at well, United, for example. It's like, why would he? So Madison, exactly. Madison's playing well. Now, He's anyway. getting into the England squad. He's getting there and thereabouts. If he was to go to United now and start struggling, that's... He's don't... in a
1: system that works. He wouldn't get that yeah. at a club like United or, I don't know. He'll be covering... Whoever asked my time to and... Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, Arsenal, same yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think Leicester would probably stand firm, to be fair, and be like, no And to change.
2: be fair, Rodgers looks like the kind of guy who could probably keep them together. You're a great technician.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, at least, like, give it, give it the season, and we'll, and yeah. we'll see what happens, kind of thing. Yeah. How many would actually be oh, well, like, Soyuncu, By all accounts,
0: is
3: well, being that, watched. That's by That's the three link teams. I've seen. Manchester United Soyuncu, Madison. forty-two million, and a few
0: other quotes. Could, could, could I throw in like a, a spanner into the works here? Like Feel Jamie free. Fardy is an incredible form, and like everybody always wants strikers. And this previously, when when Leicester, had, when he he stayed faithful to the club, so I don't think anybody would resent him. But there was talk of Arsenal at one point, yeah. Real Madrid even, whether that was just pure speculation. But, you know, if if somebody like that came in, this would be Vardy's last chance. Jamie Vardy will like stay
3: that. at Leicester until he retires. I was to He'll stay at Leicester. he name players, stand after
1: him. I, yeah, I was going to think then, when I was naming the players, I was going to say probably Vardy is off-limits now. You're leaving to where be where fair. He but no, it's an interesting point.
2: Yeah. To be fair, they rewarded him very, very, very handsomely with his contract.
0: Yeah, and the club don't need the money. The club yeah. don't need the money because they're very well-funded. But just from that thing, you know that fairy tale. There was all the talk about the Jamie Vardy movie, uh, how far he's come, and and just look at it. Obviously, he's got a great opportunity with Leicester to to maybe win the Premier League again, which would be incredible. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's... it's, it's I just can't see, no, 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 I I can't. can't see him playing for anyone else. No,
3: no, no. I can't see him playing for anyone else. I
2: don't else. see where the fit is, to be honest. No, well I, don't else.
3: I don't I don't either. I, I, I would totally say that. What about Brighton then? They lost 2-0, but is it the same case as their rivals, Crystal Palace, Sam?
1: Yeah, but a bit less. Like, they're not going to finish between 9th and 15th. Probably like... 10th and 15th. <laughs> well, possi- possibly eight, like... 18th and but credit to eighteenth and 12th or something like that. Credit
3: to Potter, who's done a reasonably good job of, and many people... Even in this sports social team, tipped Brighton to be relegation candidates, strong relegation candidates this season.
1: Well, yeah, um, even up until a few weeks ago, it was kind of like, what, what is really what is going on there? The results haven't quite been there. Um, yeah, again, he's done it right, but I think again, it's another team. They'll have a good patch, they'll have a bad patch. And, and
2: it's, I think it's great because even in the, the you know the teams that we're talking about, the ones at the lower end of the table, the ones mm. that in the relegation zone, mm. you're naming an odd player, the odd player they've got. I don't mean this in the nicest possible way, but the Brighton seems pretty nondescript. They just yeah, keep yeah, to do it, you know. Yeah, it's, as a collective a no, Yeah, nobody really stands out more than than uh, anybody else, mm, mm. and that, that's that has its own there's benefits. There's
3: no star man really, is there? Which has yeah.
2: its benefits as regards to keeping things going, but then it's also one who do you fear?
0: And mm. mm. uh, the, the the worrying thing for them is that that's the second time this year that they failed to register a shot on target in a game. Uh, but at, at
3: home as well, that's that's quite yeah. criminal in any level of football. Um,
0: I, I mean said that though, I I do like Potter, big fan of his, and particularly he is his approach to games. Like when he went to Manchester United, you know, playing two up front there and things like that. It just I, I I quite like his his approach to the game. Maybe it's a little bit more. I don't know if it's naive or experimental, but I think he, no, he's good. isn't he, it he, it's Yeah, it, it's it, it's good. It, it's something different. It's bring you're not just bringing in a a carbon copy. So. And I think that's the kind of thing we've mentioned identity a few times There's an opportunity for Brighton to get a real identity under Potter
2: well it's like you said if he's doing that at least he's not putting you out for lambs of the slaughter though as well he's not if you're just sitting there to right just come and take this on and yep. do your best then you you're inviting to you know to get chopped up and carved and and, and
0: with the likes of you've got sort of a, a variation in characters there with like the this skill of Trossard who I think every everybody would quite fancy to have in in their squad and then the old war horse, like the Glenn Murray's in there as well. You've got a nice mix of characters in there.
3: OK, Brighton, we'll have to wait and see how they get on for the remainder of the season. What about Watford? Are they doomed already? Uh They've got some really good quality in their squad, but they're struggling right now. Kike Sanchez, Flores, the change, well, has it really worked? So far, we're not so sure. They lost 3-0 to Burnley. I saw a West Ham fan actually say he wouldn't mind Sean Dyche rocking up at the London Stadium. Um, well. An interesting... Uh, comment to make he said bring Wood and Barnes with him as well which uh, again is an even more crazy uh, thing to say I, th- I thought um, they really
1: would love Benitez wouldn't they?
3: Well, <laughs> Burnley, if
1: that, if that view is representative of a lot of them
3: Burnley are seventh they've won the last two they've got Crystal Palace up next Um, they're just doing like you know you can name a list of teams Crystal Palace Burnley Bournemouth again to an extent you can just go well they keep winning and they'll win a few they'll lose a few but they'll be alright
0: to me it almost looks like if you took out last season's league completely you ignored that it seems like Burnley have just carried on from the season before, yeah, and that really says, I think, the the damage, if that's the right word, that the Europa League campaign did to them. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it only lasted about. Well, they started. They just started early, didn't they? They yeah. started in like June or something. Well, and yeah. it went same to the as the Wolves, Wolves August, this not, season, yeah, and Wolves obviously are currently Wolves have fifth been in the group so. stage, aren't
2: they? Well, the mad thing is, like you said, you, it is one of those things. Be careful what you wish for, and I don't think even Burnley's business model isn't, isn't, isn't set up for European football in the oh, nicest yeah, possible way. Yeah, or the yeah. airport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, well I, I spoke to my um, head of recruitment for Burnley, the chief scout and he's worked for Dykes before and the, the thing was we don't, they, even the scouting, they don't look overseas. They don't want players from certain regions.
3: They do have a predominantly British and Irish they, squad.
2: He, he sticks to what he knows and he knows, you know, and he knows what he knows and it, that that's fine and it's going to go and, go, and it, we're together but the natural uh, progression is you are going to go into Europe. You're mm. going to have to know about European. I'm not saying he's going to, you know, totally not knowing about any players, but it's where you want that club to go. But I think their identity denotes, like I said, they went to Europe, they crashed and bombed.
3: No problem. Carry on to next season. There'd be no pressure on him whatsoever. Is that why this West Ham fan that says he wants Stiech might be a little bit misguided in that viewpoint? Because obviously if he's never worked with uh, an abundance of foreign players, then he might struggle going into somewhere like West Ham where there are multiple different cultures, different languages, <laughs> yeah. that might be a difficult. There's
1: more of an expectation at West Ham again to play football, isn't there? We can say, "Oh, what is the West well, Ham Burnley way?" But they are want happy him to play if they the football stay up
3: every season, aren't they? So, like, you well, say, well that, I think change Burnley, expectation. Burnley,
1: like it's a perfect fit. Burnley are happy with this. You know, they play underdog football. It's kind of like you know Moyes going into Man United. He Everton and they were happy at that point playing underdog football. You know, welcoming teams and just getting stuck into them, and you know, mm. making your Goodison a hard place to go to, making Turf Moor a hard place to go to. They relish what they are. You know, they oh, relish. Absolutely. You know, the kind not not dirty tactics, but you know, gritty tackles and they enjoy and the Britishness tough. and yeah, mm, and they mm. they like that kind of thing. Yeah. W- at West Ham, not not so much. It will be a different fit. It will be a different challenge. And
2: the fans are now pretty much accepting of it, but more importantly,
3: the board are. They're happy with that bottom line every year. Yeah, we're, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. we're in the black. We're in the black. We're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what about Watford? Then they lost three 0 to Burnley, as we've just been discussing that. Uh, along with uh, Norwich City winning their game uh, against Everton and Southampton drawing 2-2 with Arsenal, puts Watford back to the foot of the Premier League table and they have got a big clash with Southampton next week, like we discussed before. Um, Tough times for Watford and, again, they beat beat Norwich and we said this could be the start of something. They're going to have to do the same thing when they play Southampton next time.
0: I mean, the, the start of the game that they had three glorious trans- chances that they, they seemed to be all going and it seemed to be again like the Watford from a season ago you know be, before like for Watford it seemed to all go wrong once they made it through to the the final of the FA Cup and they just seemed to i, I I'm not sure what the psychology was but there seemed to be something like they like rabbit in the headlights mm. maybe and and they've not got it back so we know that because the, the squad's not that different and the the thing for Watford last season is you could basically Predict the whole the whole team for the whole season because mm-hmm. they 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 have got a small squad there that that they worked with the same players all the time they, they've obviously got a great thing and, and players don't fall off a cliff you know yes you can have you can have injuries there can be things going on that we're not aware mm. of that can affect the psychology but as a team as a squad it's all the ingredients are there
3: how much of a fatal blow could that cup final defeat a heavy cup final defeat at the hands of Manchester City last season how much of a fatal blow could that have been. Or is that just too much of a prediction I'm, to make?
1: I always just think that's just way too simplistic. I, don't, I mean, look, I, I, I haven't got a counterpoint. I don't know. what. That's what I was saying at the start. What is going on with that squad? And, like, again, when you talk about it gets to that stage where you think you have to change the manager, it's like this time it's like, what? Are they going to change the manager again? Like, can anyone do it? It just feels like it's inevitable they're going to go down it, it, and they're going to have to have a clear out and start again.
2: And what you've got look at, the, the players that they got there, obviously their star name was, you know, he went to... Um, Everton got, hmm. got you know big money, but then the players that stayed, because they're not going to go out and go and spend big money, they got good wages, and I'm not saying the hunger goes, but if there's no pressure coming from the manager and the and nobody's nobody setting targets and nobody's putting any expectation or you know it's just survival, then you're just ticking over, and it's very hard to get players motivated, especially when they've had. Like you said, the FA Cup Final, they thought that would... I know it sounds daft. The FA Cup Final was their Cup Final, if
3: you know what I mean. That was, that was it. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was I think cup cup everybody's Cup Final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about motivation, we're going to have to get ourselves motivated for this final game. Sorry to fans of Wolves and uh, AFC Bournemouth, but your game is bottom of the bill on today's uh, Premier League review show. Uh, the game finished uh, 2-1 to Wolves, away from home. What I must say, and I forgot to mention it earlier, M- Mikhail Antonio and a Traore Triore just look absolutely stacked. Massive. Oh. oh, huge players. And you think if you're defending against them, pace and power, that must be a a frightening place to be. Um Triore was involved in one of the goals. Uh it was Jiao though who was the brilliant <laughs> yeah. Yeah. figure for Wolves in that game. Free kick was excellent. Um but the actual free kick that I want to talk about is the the quick play you know, putting his hand on the ball, passing it quickly, the ball came across and there was Jimenez to 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 finish it off. Um that's the small margins that I'm sure you've talked about in your football for football programme, Julian, that, that can make a massive difference, especially at elite level, the small margins of just having a bit of quick thinking from time to time. He's he's like he's like y Xavi
2: Iniesta, he's five yards ahead in you know, in his head. He's he's weight of pass is he's, he's, he's a beautiful footballer. Even that even that free kick. Mm. Like you said not his goal when he the weight of pass was unbelievable right inside the fullback don't get me wrong Wilson was a bit you know snoring a bit and Adami's rapid but mm. it was that weight of pass not too straight not too much bend not going to run out not too close to, and the way he was just punching the ball around one touch you know there's nobody, he's like a silver, a poor man's. Silver. Oh, oh, I was even going <laughs> to no say, De, De
0: Bruyne actually, there's an element of of that about him, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially the the CPU, if you will, yeah, the it, way he thinks about it, yeah, totally. It. But he's
2: not he's not a ball carrier, he is literally a one touch, two touch player, and as you know, a technician,
0: he's but, beautiful. But just... that, that's what I was referring to because that's what uh, De Bruyne has in his look of that ability to almost not look and mm-hmm. just know where they're going to be in two mm-hmm. seconds mm-hmm. and and. Yeah, there, there is something beautiful when you see that as a fan. And what also they seem to have done as well, because Adama Traore really has, has come into his own in the last month, I think. I mean, I I was at the City game, and I'm sure you were as well, Sam, when he just tore, tore City apart with those those two goals in the yeah, last yeah, 10 yeah. minutes. <laughs> and it was funny. I, I had a feeling that was going to happen because there was, uh, there was an interview earlier in the afternoon before the game kicked off, and they were talking about, Triori and saying you know he is in a straight line the fastest player in the Premier League but the problem is is he, he hasn't got the ability to stop and turn and move around football isn't and played so, on Roman roads, yeah so. but then it I, was for that free kick <laughs> yeah and, so, and, and that's the thing maybe, maybe and I, even in the City game yeah.
1: isn't it mad how you can you can generate you can get Traore into his favourite conditions against one of the best three best two teams in Europe yeah but like you're play, getting playing against I don't know, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, and he can have a stinker. But the way they set up that particular game and the way City played, isn't it funny how, how that just works? But yeah, it's it's good to see Wolves winning again because well, yeah, when they, we they, they were a the... breath of fresh air last year, and you don't want, I didn't want to see it tail off. I wanted to see them go to the next level again, like we were saying before. When you get to the Europa League, obviously that's more mm. on their radar than it was for Burnley. Mm. But they didn't build out their squad, did they? They bought a couple of players in, but it's kind of like, well, that was I'm not my sure criticism of
3: Wolves was if you want to be a club which consistently gets yourself into Europe, you're going to have to deal with the strenuousness of the Europa League and the schedule domestically as well.
1: Their 11 last year was Absolutely. the same pretty much every week.
3: Absolutely. And they need to find a way to get themselves around that. And that's exactly what they've begun to do. They didn't do it at the start, but now they're up to fifth place. And the way that the mid-table's gone... That's crazy. It's, it's m- major, really, the way that they've moved themselves up the table. But if they are going to be what we consider Europa League regular, then they are going to have to overcome the adversity of the difficulty of the schedule. Squad management, I'm sure Nuno Spirito Santo is, is learning this uh, as he goes along because English football, in terms of its brutality fixture-wise, is more than any other league in Europe. So Wolves are just starting to, to come good now and they just need to maintain that. And if they want to be this force in Europe as a Europa League club regularly, then they need to make sure that they are punching into that top six every single season. It could be our Sevilla.
0: Yeah, well, this is the interesting thing. Like A lot of other clubs go, oh, not the Europa League. The fans say that. I've not heard any Wolves fans say that. And the club really seems to have embraced it and gone for it. And maybe this has been, uh, whether you often hear about our strategies and five-year plans that the board's put in place, mm-hmm. maybe this has been part of it. And they've built for it. They've budgeted for it. They've they've had this in the, the contingency for this happening, and it's all lined up. I mean, we've had great stuff where... Um, with the European games, because they them being so close uh, playing on a Thursday and then coming back to play at the weekend, they've been having almost like portable cryo on the plane yeah. so that the players are able to recover. Training, training recover sessions
3: on on, on, not on the plane, but certainly team meetings, tactics being talked about on the plane, which oh. normally is the time for the players just to relax and yeah. get out, out of the... Oh, I, I'm thinking the of that.
0: You remember that old Nike advert with the Brazil players in the airport? Yeah, yeah. You're just having a training <laughs> session passing the ball around.
3: AFC Bournemouth though
1: they don't create chances anymore. At the, well, at the moment, not anymore. It sounds like they're never going to do it again. But yeah, for the last few weeks, it's been the same kind of thing, hasn't it? Wilson's the only fit striker at the moment. They're missing King. Um, yeah. But they did, they weren't really creating anything anyway, you know, going back a, a few weeks. At um, uh, West Ham, their like last they, game... They've started to look more solid.
3: Yeah, West Ham, their last game the that they won was against Manchester United. Bournemouth's last game that they won was against Manchester United. Oh, yeah. and they've yeah. lost two since. Is there a risk of them doing a a similar tumble down the, the table like West Ham? Or can you just not see that no, happening?
2: No, I think they've got too much going for them. And I, I, like Sam said there, you know, get the strike, get King back, running the channel, stretching the play. You know, the midfielders come, pop up the other one. Fraser gets a couple. Wilson, you know, Callum Wilson's always good for a goal. And I, I think they've got too much about them, even the defence, apart from the captain coming the other day. You know, he's not started, he didn't sent off and yeah. so forth. But um, I think they've, they've got too much.
0: But yeah, and and that says a lot for them as well because they come out in that second half that they're, they're a man down, they're two 0 down, and and they they maybe it's a little throwing caution to the wind rather than throwing it, uh, than turning it on. But they they managed to, I mean, it only really counts if you had a bet on it. But they won the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so so it does it does show that they've got spirit, which is important, mm-hmm. and and especially if you find yourself creeping towards that bottom part of the table, that to a large extent will get you through.
3: It should be interesting because he likes to buy in the window, doesn't he? Well, oh, Mr. Howe. Mm. Mm. Well, it's difficult. I think Bournemouth are well backed, and I don't think people realise how well backed they actually are. <laughs> but it's it's again finding the pedigree of player, and I think their sort of blueprint is to buy, much like Burnley, young sort of British players that they can develop, and they buy players with a two or three year plan mm-hmm. to develop into something. And I think that's what you see with David Brooks and players like that, for instance, as well. Um, but then then again, there are players that don't work out. Tyron Mings, he's got in the England squad. Lise Mousset scored for Sheffield United today. So, I mean, there have been errors in terms of players that they've let go. Um, Mistakes were made by Bournemouth, but whether that will come back to haunt them, just, you know, it's a lottery, isn't it? You just never know. Uh, Let's have a look at the Premier League table then before we uh, close down the show. Liverpool top of the Premier League on 37 points. In second, it's still Leicester City on 29. Manchester City up to third with their victory over Chelsea, who slipped to fourth. Wolves are now in fifth. Sheffield United... Still in the top six after their draw with Manchester United, Burnley, Arsenal, Manchester United and Tottenham complete the rest of the top ten. The bottom half, Bournemouth, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Newcastle. They play against Aston Villa on Monday night, Everton, West Ham United and Villa in 17th, just above the relegation zone. And in the bottom three, Norwich, Southampton and Watford. In what is, uh, even just reading it out, a mental Premier League table, and isn't it? It's just crazy. Like You mean the points difference between some of the teams or win can take you up? I think Manchester United's win last week or a couple of weeks ago took them up seven places in the Premier League yeah. table.
0: and you've got some crazy goal differences there as well. That Down at the bottom, minus 18 for both Southampton and Watford and Man City and Leicester City on plus 23. So it just, it, it just seems just so diverse and so crazy. And it almost feels like, oh, I don't know, like, th- this could this could be this been very a weird. Di- season it, yeah, it so could be. It, it, you're looking at that now. I could see it being completely different for the end of the season. That's that's the feeling that I get.
3: It's been a weird season, and we always say Sam after like after ten, twelve games, you start to get an idea of the table taking shape. Hmm.
1: I don't think it would change that much. I think Spurs would be higher up. I think Leicester won't drop too much. Um, I can't see Arsenal Finishing making more of an effort. I can't see United making more of an effort. So it might stay broadly the same. But you know, teams like. You you would imagine teams like Wolves and Sheffield United, like as good as they are and as well coaches will will lose a few and, mm-hmm. and drop a bit. I can't see them, you know, being top seven. But mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, like I say, I can't see Arsenal or United making it up. You know, it's like when you watch an old Premier League year. it's like here's the table at November and it's like Ipswich it's are fourth. And it's like, well it's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. And it never does. But yeah. this year, you know, it, it's more likely to it's more the, those teams that are up there are more likely to stay up there because I can't see too many of the the in big teams getting it together. Julian,
3: is, is the table still embryonic for you or is it starting to take some form and shape now? I think it's starting to
2: solidify. And, like, you know, Leicester, the new force in. English football
3: (laughs) I'm sure the Leicester fans would be delighted to hear that Uh, this has been Football Social Daily from the Sports Social thanks very much Julian, Ant and Sam for joining us on today's podcast don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode of course there is a game tomorrow night we'll be previewing that on Monday's podcast and we'll have news and opinion for you throughout the week so hit subscribe and you'll never miss another show but that's it for now we'll talk to you tomorrow
1: Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode
2: 18 plus.